0: Hello and welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm your host Meg Berryman and this is the Beyond Being Well podcast. Here at the show we are passionate about helping you. Helping you build deep relationships with yourself, the earth and others. Helping you foster a deep embodied sense of well-being and empowerment. Helping you slow down, work sustainably and consume mindfully and helping you create social change from the inside out. So settle in, get cozy, and let's get straight on with the episode. Hello, wonderful ones, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm recording this between Christmas and New Year's because this episode is like rocket fuel for your soul. If there are things that you're feeling like you desire and you want a deeper understanding of how to access what those are as well as how to meet the fears that inevitably come up when we start to work towards something big, um, this is the episode that's going to really support you to do that and to commit to devoting um, time and spaciousness to this work in 2020 so I'm really excited to share it. Before I do I just wanted to remind you that Lead Her starts on January 19th and I was in meditation this morning just asking my intuition or asking my intuitive intelligence um, how I can support myself and my nervous system to deepen this work in 2020 I spent a lot of 2019 in survival mode due to sleep deprivation and a whole lot of other things. And next year I'm really committed to setting up the healthy habits necessary to support my nervous system so I can hold deeper space and I can hold more space for more of you. And as I was asking that question, what came through was some profound changes to the delivery of the course, how I'm delivering it, how you're engaging with it. How people are guest teaching within it, and so based on some of the feedback of last year's participants and this meditation this morning, I am now even more excited about doing this work with you. This is deep self empowerment work, it is deeply embodied work, so we're not just working on a superficial level, and it's all about helping you to reclaim nourishment and reclaim all the parts of yourself and to. Deepen your connection with yourself, with others, and the planet, so that the natural extension of all of that is your unique soul's expression of social leadership. You are here to do so much more than pay your mortgage and go to a job that you don't love, and it doesn't have to be about radically changing your whole life. I want to teach you that you are already leading, I want to teach you how to make it conscious, how to make it sustainable. And how to make it uniquely your own so that you can get out of this feeling of I'm not doing enough for the planet and get into this space of really seeing and amplifying how you're already showing up. I've extended the weekly payment plan offer until New Year's Eve because a couple of you asked for it. So you can enroll for just $70 until New Year's Eve. All the details are mcberryman.com forward slash lead her. Today's guest is Ricky Jane Adams, and I was so grateful to meet her in person a couple of months ago um, and to have this conversation to deepen our relationship during it. And Ricky Jane, if you don't know her, she's an intuition expert, she's a writer, she's a speaker, she's a priestess. She's the founder of the Institute for Intuitive Intelligence, um, and her calling is to really help bring you back to what you already know and to let you know that your intuition is off the charts and your, li- your life is trying to actually bring you back to that soul- soul's calling above all else. Her mission is to show you how to turn that calling into a life of bliss by turning on your intuitive intelligence. This conversation is deep, it's profound, so grab a cuppa and enjoy all of this wisdom direct to your ear holes and wishing you a happy new year ricky jane welcome to the podcast
1: thank you so much my darling thank you so much for inviting me here
0: i'm deeply appreciative of um, this moment in time that we're connecting as i said earlier it feels really potent and important that we're having this conversation today and i can't wait to see what emerges but i would love to start with the question i ask everyone who comes on the show and that is What is the change that you wish to see in the world and how are you currently supporting that?
1: So for me, the change that I want to see is that every person knows that they are God and that idea of God is beyond any man-made dogmatic religion. Um, It is the idea that we are all infinite inherently interconnected and unlimited and for me the vehicle to invite people to access that truth is intuition or intuitive intelligence more accurately because that is the beginning of communion with that God consciousness of which we are all a part Um, and how I'm doing it. That was the second part of the question, yes? Mm,
0: Yeah, how is that currently being expressed through you, I guess, that vision?
1: So I have a training institute called the Institute for Intuitive Intelligence, and we train women globally as uh, contemporary priestesses, uh, modern-day mystics and um, new paradigm socially conscious sacred leaders, and that program, in particular, the third level that that is the sort of marquee program inside of the institute, is how I think that work most powerfully goes out into the world, although we have other ways, other programs, and we do have a program for men as well but for me the the change starts with with women trans and cis, and that is because i I have strong feelings about um restoring balance and where there is massive imbalance as we see in the world today because of patriarchy you know addressing that balance is a really powerful way to remind people of what they are that's why I make that choice to privilege training women
0: mm-hmm. I love it I feel very strongly um about all of what you said and I was just feeling into where the conversation wanted to go and I think something um that you were talking about mystics, but I know you also work with the leader archetype and the teacher archetype and and lots of the archetypal energies, but I wonder whether we could go a little deeper on the leader archetype, knowing that um, the women listening to this podcast are interested in um, social leadership and self-empowerment within that. And so I wonder, using that paradigm of... Uh, finding the godliness or um, connecting with that innate power I wonder how you define leader in the way that you teach um, in a way that makes it accessible for all of us but also in a way that I think is not currently reflected in what we see as leadership right now like how has your understanding changed over time I guess is what I'm curious as well
1: so, the way that I uh, share leadership um, in the third level and <clears throat> in all my training programs has emerged out of the doing of training women has you know the, the actual qualification is intuitive guide, and we work through the priestess mystic leader archetypes to to reach that qualification. But the leader has really emerged, especially strongly in the last 18 months in the program, um, out of the doing. And what I saw happening is that women were reaching the end of their year of of training with me, or they were beginning to step into their service in the world, and they would Mm self-sabotage in a really big way. And I mean, you know, lots and lots of different ways. But I saw it so often. I was like, okay, we've we've got a thing happening here. Women are stepping into their spiritual power. Recognizing who they are, which is God, consciousness, and and basically self sabotaging subconsciously, of course. But but let's figure out why and how can we fix that. And so out of that, I developed uh, I guess a formula for leadership to to support women or scaffold them through that that quite. Um, That quite big transition from having a faith to then stepping into being a leader in that, um, you know, in their service in the world. And whether it's a faith-based service, whether they're spiritual or not, it doesn't really matter. When you put your hat on and say, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to step into the world, you know, in this, you become a leader because people start looking at you. So I define sacred leadership as being the demonstration of your faith. You are congruent between your faith and your actions. In other words, you match you know what you're saying and you walk your talk. And there's no inconsistencies in that. And where there are inconsistencies, you do the damn work to correct the error. And that means that you have to then be really ready to be held accountable and be humble enough to recognize where your own fear rises or where your, that fear is projected onto you from others or where the, you're triggered by other people. And that, that formula begins with humility. So if you want, I can go, take us through the formula or you might have a question about what I've shared. I'm happy to
0: bring Oh, I'd love to hear the formula. Um, yeah, I'd love to dive deeper there.
1: So this formula, as I said, was an antidote to the the self-sabotage program that I saw happening, not for every woman, but for many, um, not many, but enough to make me recognize there was a pattern, an archetypal response to being called into the full expression of what they are. And another definition of sacred leadership for me is, is to be unafraid to be the full expression of who and what we are. Now, that, of course, means that we have to put down our littleness, we have to put down our martyrdom, we have to put down our borrowed, beliefs our, our our limits that have been imposed on us by others and by ourselves and that can feel scary as hell and we will look sometimes for any external excuse to stay inside of the known the comfort zone because at least it's familiar even if it's unsatisfying I know the limits of it I know what I'm going to get here and so this formula is designed to kind of create a path to walk, um, to protect us against ourselves in that, that self-sabotage loop. So the first phase is humility. And humility is willing, being willing to be humble enough to meet your fear every damn day. So instead of blanketing over your fear or band-aiding over it or getting drunk, picking a fight, buying things you don't need, um, you know, creating emotional chaos in your life, all the ways we use to avoid meeting ourselves, we actually say every day I'm going to schedule time in a structured way to sit down with my discomfort. And the thing is we usually have some kind of low-level fear program running. And fear is not um, necessarily those big, giant anxiety attacks or anything like that. It can just be that feeling of something is just a bit off today or I woke up with a headache or, uh, you know, anything other than bliss basically is fear. So when we start to recognize the truth that to be the full expression of what we are is to live in a state of bliss, that doesn't mean everything's going well. It just means that we're not being caught up in the chaos we, we put a much higher bar on what we want for our lives and we stop accepting so little. And we start to use the tools that you, you know, I, I have a lot of tools that I train women in to meet their subconscious fear programs. And you, you turn up every damn day. You don't ever believe that that journey is going to be over. There's no top of the mountain. There's no race to the finish. We're just, as Ram Dass says, walking each other home. And fear is a constant because fear is how we meet ourselves as God. Fear is a friendly ally that is showing up to say, "Hey, you forgot your God. You you forgot your unlimited for a minute. Let me show you how this is playing out right now through jealousy or anger or uh, fear of rejection or whatever it is. And instead of missing the, the point of that messenger, you actually communicate with that messenger."
0: Mm. It's so um, it's so potent because as you were as you were just sharing all of that, I was thinking about how. Uh, particularly in the social spaces, but generally in leadership more broadly at the moment in the world, what we're seeing is um, a tendency towards power over and then a powerlessness in response. And particularly I'm interested in taking women on that journey the same as you in a different format, but to find a, a different source of power and, and I guess the one source of power that is actual power, not, um, not a fear, not a, not a projection of fear, And so as you're talking, I'm wondering whether actually the way in which leadership um, is being manifest in that power over paradigm at the moment, and while we're all waiting for someone to kind of come and save us in that powerlessness response, actually those two states are also portals into claiming that godliness and whether, in fact, that's not wrong or bad that it's there. In fact, that's just another call, another invitation to reclaim that which is ours would you see see it that way
1: absolutely the only the only truth of of leadership is that it's Mm self-leadership it's there is no leadership over anybody else because you know in terms of the metaphysical laws that i follow there's only one of us here so that that absolute truth as you're saying is that it is about self-sovereignty it is correcting the your own errors taking responsibility for your own actions meeting your own subconscious fear programs because when you do that for yourself you do it on behalf of all And yes, the models of power that we see in the world that make many of us want to reject stepping into our power and our leadership, uh, you know, are about the oppression Mm -hmm. of another in order to attain more of something for myself. So we're in a lack mentality. That's Mm -hmm. why we have this whole 1% thing where there's this concentration of power and resources because there is this genuine belief at that that wounded, you know, uh, collective unconscious that there is there is only so much to go around, and that lack mentality means that we see millions of people die, you know, every year from starvation unnecessarily. When in other places in the world, we're you know disposing of ton- billions of tons of food. It is absolutely about the concentration of power to the exclusion of all else. And when we move out of that paradigm of believing that power over another is what leadership is, we begin to see. Uh, the truth of benevolence and, and, and the truth of the metaphysical laws, there's only one of us here. I can't get to the top of the mountain on my own. I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't have enough to feel that I have attained what I'm seeking, which is why those people who have need to keep abusing the system to gain more because they never reach a level of satisfaction because it's not actually what they're seeking. Mm -hmm. But as a result of the model that we're seeing, the dominant patriarchal model, um, we are are terrified of replicating the abuse of power. So that's one of the big reasons that women will report to me not feeling safe to step into their leadership is that they will replicate the model of of the the ladder of power, that, that the more power I have, the less someone else has.
0: Yeah, and it feeds right into that social nervous system response of if I if I just take up the least amount of space possible, I won't hurt anyone and and cause any of that. I see it in money, money as well a lot. I think um, it's so fascinating. So I so I wonder that all being said, what I find on a, on a personal level is. I've got tools and practices um, both to work through the fear and to come back into that state of remembering, remembrance, should I say. Um, and I wonder, you've been seeking for a long time through your, um, for 20 years and, and, and doing this work. And I wonder whether you said there's no top of the mountain, it's an, it's an everyday practice. But how can we continue to remember both in order to access? our intuitive intelligence and, and the knowing, but also um, just to receive more pleasure and, and purpose and joy and, and those bliss states that you've said. Um, how, do we, how do we continue to remember in a way that um, isn't based on attainment or attachment?
1: Well, that's where we move to the second phase of the formula. And I love that that question leads so beautifully into that. So what happens when you're humble enough to meet your fear every damn day is you make space for God consciousness to enter into you. And that's the second phase. And I call that grace. So when you are willing to to do the damn work and, and make the space, you effortlessly, naturally, I mean, you've put in a lot of effort, but the, the point is that that un you cannot plan for grace to enter you. It's a spontaneous experience that comes through your devotion, through your commitment to know yourself beyond your limits, beyond your fears, beyond your doubts, beyond the collective woundedness that you're, you're part of. And when you make that the center of your life, and that is what my service is all about, you open the way for that, that that spontaneous experience of grace. And even two seconds of that, my darling, is enough to get you addicted. <laughs> and when you experience the pleasure and the bliss of union of self with self, you realize that you're not seeking any of the things that you thought you were seeking. There is no chance you're going to abuse your power if you become a leader. You only want that And all else falls away because truth is being revealed to you. And you will then do anything you can to continue to move towards that state of grace. Now, that feeling of grace can also be described as inspiration. So this is where you start to feel God's vision for you, feel, hear, see, know, however your intuition arrives. And that's what inspiration is. And suddenly you feel inspired to take divinely guided action and you know that your life is is being led by something greater than your own ego-driven needs. And you feel confident to to trust those impulses and take the action which happens at the final phase of the formula Um, because you know who is guiding you or what is guiding you and you recognize it's not just your ego's desire to, to be famous or popular or have a, a best-selling book or you know be be on the telly or whatever it is that your ego defines as success you realize the truth is you want everybody to meet themselves in this state of grace because it it, it will end all the troubles <laughs> every trouble we have will be ended by people experiencing grace
0: mm. Every time, every time I hear you or anyone use that word, it's like my whole system just goes, ah, like it just has a moment, because I recognise it, I've seen it, I've felt it, I understand it, um, and it's yeah, it's really. I just don't think we can hear it enough. I really, I really don't. And I'm, I'm wondering. There feels like maybe it's my own misunderstanding, but this disconnect or I'll phrase the question differently. How do we know ourselves as God and trust and surrender to that intuitive knowing and that dialogue, whilst also understanding that we will have a unique expression as a leader, as a woman, as a um, healer, however we, we choose to follow that, I guess, expression through and I'm wondering just how we reconcile those two things like on one hand we're infinite but on another hand we're very specific and unique and I wonder how you would marry those two together in a way that we can begin to know the self really trust the self really understand the ways in which we express which are truth for us so that we can I guess I'm thinking about impact here, right? So I know that the more specific I've gotten around what my strengths are, who I am, how I express, what my boundaries are, what my needs are, in order to stay in that place of co-creation and expression, the greater the effect and impact I've been able to have. But it, it feels like a disconnect me between the infinite and being everything and being God and being also this very specific human. Does that make sense?
1: It does, but I absolutely, I absolutely believe there is no problem here. I think the truth is that you, the, the idea of being one with the one mind of God doesn't prevent you from then having a personality and an identity that's, that's specific to this life journey that you're experiencing because that creative authority is your divine birthright. You are Your creative expression is your choice. How you choose in every moment is the greatest creative act there is. And that's your free will. And and we are all divinely fated to remember that we are infinite and unlimited. But the path we get to take there is ours for the choosing. There's mm. nothing predestined about that. And and every choice we make will either make it slightly harder or slightly easier. But it's still a choice that is, is um, in service to that same outcome for all of us, which is to remember that we are um, God. So there's no paradox here. They're, they're perfectly aligned. And The joy of coming into Earth School, which is what the way I would describe this 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 beautiful experience we're having is that we get to be as unlimited in our choice as we want to be. And that's why it's so heartbreaking when we see people just simply imitating and replicating, as Vishen Lakhiani calls it, the bullshit rules of their society, of their culture, of the expectations that at a certain age you will have a certain amount of children and you will get a mortgage and you will do this and you will live here. Because all of it is 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 the limitation on our creative freedom to choose how we express um this this life that we've been provided with to get to know ourselves as god um all paths lead to god that's that is the truth even the ones that we would judge as bad it 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 may not lead us to god quickly but it will lead us back to that truth so to be to be more attuned to your infinite nature is to to be um Less afraid to take full creative ownership and responsibility for the for your life, um, so I hope that answers what you're you're seeking to to reconcile there. Because to me, it's it's the freer we are, the more close we are to what we truly are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess I'm thinking specifically in terms of the community that um, that I serve, and that's around uh, women identifying maybe as empaths or sensitive and socially conscious so tapped in on some level to a knowing in the collective and able to i guess make implicit things in the collective explicit right so that would be the superpower and how important it is i think to develop specificity around how we wish to serve and how we wish to um how we wish to contribute and how we wish to be part of the change and, yes, a big part of that is, I guess, embodied leadership and congruence and um, communion, like you've been talking about, devotion. Um, but I think what I'm seeing a lot of, and I'd love to hear your thoughts in terms of what you've been seeing as well, is a real attunement to collective suffering. And, therefore, we're in a kind of perpetual freeze response collectively right now. Um, and there's a lot of inputs, there's a lot of noise. And it seems that in the being attuned to what's happening in the collective, we're actually making it happen faster <laughs> because we're very much in a fear story. We're very much in this perpetual hysteria and then a powerlessness in response to that. So I guess from your point of view, how would you approach um that in terms of getting us out of that freeze response to be able to be active contributors and and, and social leaders in that embodied congruent way that you're talking about.
1: Well, this comes back to being absolutely the demonstration of your faith so you know if, if you are showing up as a socially conscious i don't use the words highly sensitive and empathic but if they work for your community that's fine but it, you know attuned in human being then you have to understand that what you are feeling is pumping itself out into the field that unified field of, of consciousness and therefore you are contributing more suffering as you mm-hmm. were saying so take some fucking responsibility get humble get on your knees meet your fear i am terrified the world going to hell in a handbasket. I'm terrified my children will not have a place to grow up. I'm terrified that everything that is good about the world is coming to an end. And you get down on your knees and you work with your fear because you're simply trying to, to say one thing and do another. And that's incongruent and it will not fly. It will cause more harm. So there's nothing noble about suffering because there's suffering in the collective. It is it is absolutely breaking the law, the law of oneness, the law of mentalism states there is only one consciousness. So what I contributing to that one consciousness and it might be an act of self-discipline to stop buying into the hysteria but I'm willing to take the required action to get over myself and to stop Um, really it's a slightly narcissistic response and that's a strong word and I understand that but you're you're sort of privileging your own experience you keep putting yourself at the center as though um, you know it's it's all about your response to things find the inner emotional discipline to be able to meet life events without going into chaos, because chaos is a way of avoiding ourselves. It's a way of stepping out of our, our leadership and our power. Um, and it's a way of, of justifying our own littleness. If I'm willing to meet myself as the sacred leader, I'm meeting myself as God. If I am God, then my contribution is greater than the current paradigm. I am leading I am creating a new paradigm, I am not part of the problem, I am at the front seeing what others cannot yet see and taking personal responsibility to bring that new energy around. There's also an aspect of this which is about letting go of judgment. It's very nice to say people should not hurt the environment or children and we should not do this and we should do that and have all these kind of ideals that you measure a good world by, but you're only perceiving from your very limited human experience You have no idea at the level of the one mind if this is absolutely the medicine that the world needs right now in order for us to evolve. You're judging based on your limited perception of reality and making an assessment and then getting righteous about it and deciding that that's what God wants. So you're you're yelling at God rather than letting God into you. And this may be um, a useful time to look at the final phase of this um, formula, which is power, which may not be a surprise because we've used that word a lot. The power I have, the only power I have, is to know that my power is God's power. It's not about my power as an individual human who's trying to do it all by herself to force some change upon a world that doesn't seem to be responding and therefore to burn out really quickly because I am carrying the weight of the world who never asked me to do it on my shoulders. Rather, I'm willing to surrender to the truth that I am I am what God wants me to be in this life. The inspired action I take because of entering into that state of grace is God's direct instruction. Now, I just want to remind anyone who's triggered by the word God, firstly, let's meet our own limits around that. But secondly, substitute it, infinite, unlimited, quantum field, field of light, whatever works for you. But that idea that you're the one trying to figure out what's right or wrong, I mean, that's just, once again, narcissism. It's not actually your perception of what what is good and what is bad. It's surrendering to that higher state, that higher intelligence, which has has, uh, infinite intelligence that we are not yet privy to because we're still part of this um, human dream. There's a lot in that. So I'm very happy for you to jump in with anything you want me to unpack.
0: No, I'm I'm um, smiling from ear to ear because it's precisely uh, the medicine that I knew this conversation would bring, and I really appreciate um, your explicitness in calling <laughs> it out. No, because it's something that you know I'm still uh, working toward being able to. To step outside my own fears and nervous system stuff to say it that explicitly, but it's something that I wholeheartedly believe and something that I have seen time and time again. And you look in any spiritual text, as well as spiritual leaders that have been social leaders, they were the ones who could bridge, bridge the world and build, build this world through holding it in their mind so strongly that it was reality. And I think that. Um for us to think that that those great leaders or spiritual teachers or <laughs> all of the texts and all of the wisdom that we have at our disposal, as well as our ancestral wisdom, that we know better, <laughs> to me is like kind of a power over paradigm as well, right? It's like saying that we're the apex right now and that this is the, and that we know and that we can control and that we can um project and it's part of the reason i I got out of the social spaces is because there was an element of thinking that when it came to attribution that the only factor it was cause and effect right and we know that it's just not and so such a big part of sacred social leadership is for me the letting go and the trusting that our actions will create an effect and therefore as you say taking responsibility to hold that vision so so strongly and surrounding ourselves with the inputs that remind us of that vision as opposed to surrounding ourselves with the inputs that are that are showing a projection of another reality and thereby kind of making it making it come to fruition so I just wanted to really thank you and and, and um yeah i just a, and a lot of gratitude i um I wanted to talk briefly about intuition because it seems to be a buzzword and and the thing I respect most about your work is that um, you're teaching intuitive intelligence uh, without any trinkets as you call them or <laughs> or any of this new age stuff that we've come to believe um, is necessary to connect with source or connect with God or however you want to call Mm. it. And so I wonder whether you would be so open as to share your own journey in terms of um, getting to a point where you understood that intuition didn't require all of the things, all the material things, and how maybe in that process you were able to be that change that you wanted to see in the world as well by letting go of the need to consume or to be part of that.
1: Yeah, it's quite a journey. It's, you know, <clears throat> I think we're indoctrinated into thinking that um, in this, you know, in the new age paradigm, that intuition is about the things that you buy to increase your intuition, whether it's, you know, the program or the crystal or the special light you put on your third eye or, or whatever it is, you know, there's a lot of uh, retail therapy that's, that's just about soothing and comforting rather than the truth of what intuition is, which is a divine communication with God which is really saying a d- divine communication with self um and because we don't want the weight of responsibility of that we talk in this language of oh my guide said or I downloaded this or I'm picking <laughs> this like we just is oh, for fuck's sake you are it there's only one of us here there's no guide over there like you may have a connection to an archetypal pattern which is absolutely how I describe it and we probably don't have time to go into that but that idea that there are ways that energy shows up everything is but a vibration energy shows up in archetypal patterns and we can absolutely attune to certain archetypal energies like priestess mystic leader to help um anchor those energies within ourselves but the idea that there is something outside of me that has the answers to my life is is just such bollocks and so for me i guess the rejection of that really (laughs) um came when I worked uh, for a number of years in a crystal shop on Ligon Street in Melbourne and that was a brilliant apprenticeship for me um, you know it was it was um, my mid-20s I was doing a PhD at the same time so I was very much in two worlds at the same time but I came to see that the people were coming to see me because they wanted me to take personal responsibility for the things that were too hard for them to take responsibility for. And I mean, everything from should they leave their marriage to should they buy that house to how they should parent their children to anything that felt too big, they would come to me as though I had a magic box that had the one and only solution in it. And that if they got that information, they wouldn't fuck up. Now, I, I got so disillusioned that after a time when I realized that I couldn't change within that role of shop psychic, I walked away from that work completely. And I completely gave myself over to being a muggle and academic. I you know, married a muggle, academic research scientist in the School of Psychiatry at Melbourne Uni. And I really kind of just gave all of my spirituality away because I was so disillusioned. I was like, is this what it's all about? Like there were so many other aspects to it, but it was really, it just seemed like it was, it was all smoke and mirrors and nothing was actually getting better for the people who I knew claimed to be spiritual. And for the people who were coming to see me, certainly that was that nothing was changing for them. And then I had, after my second child was born, a breakdown. And I realized that that came from um, rejecting who I was, which is, spiritual being and i couldn't pretend anymore so i then came back to the conversation um, and began the institute with this completely new mandate which was we will no longer participate in the trinkets and superstitions of the new age the bullshit that tells us that that there is a power outside of us that there is there is anything other than oneness and so my path now is non-dualism we are returning to oneness through the three immutable laws and we will not participate in anything that is going to confuse people and make them believe that somebody else has the information they need. Now, just because you have the information you need because you're innately intuitive doesn't mean that you're going to get the answers just because you want them. You need to center and privilege your devotion you need to make a choice to become the clearest possible vessel to experience grace to be humble enough to meet your fear to receive god's power into you that's the formula for leadership that's the formula for intuitive intelligence you know it isn't it's spiritual fierceness that's that's what my community stands for it's the willingness to do the damn work this is not meant to be easy we are changing the paradigm why should it be easy nobody said it should be easy and people try to use their spirituality to soothe and comfort their littleness and, and to get a balm for their own, you know, inability and unwillingness to change. It's it's something I feel quite strongly about. You might notice. Um, but that's really my journey was that when I returned to this work, I knew that my only choice was to equip people with the truth of what they are. And that, that cannot indulge the littleness and, and the fantasy and the, the things we do to keep ourselves small
0: Mm. and it strikes me that as this fierceness and the fierce devotion is developed then the things that we're afraid of anyway fall away right because then we're no longer held hostage by the perceived perceptions I guess of others or any of those other things that we say we can't do something or we can't be something um all of that stuff falls away and and you have this knowing of anyone else throwing shade your way is you've got a toolkit to be able to discern what that is and isn't I guess along the way
1: if you truly know that your power is God's power you don't stay in fear now fearlessness is not the absence of fear it's the willingness to meet fear when fear rises that's what most of us don't do but if you are truly committed to knowing yourself as god's power or infinite power then there cannot be a single person's opinion that will change the course of your actions and you need to self-assess you need to be self-aware you need to course correct when you fuck up it's that's humility. That's why that's the first phase of the formula. But you're you are not letting other people, or the external world, or life circumstances, or any of it, be the reason that you don't show up.
0: Mm. Uh, lastly, um, just conscious of time and wanting to bring this conversation to a close, but I, I think something I also really admire about you and your work is how uh, you are like you are very human and you have used humor just like I do and I think that when I reminds me of when I first became aware of my sentience and how that was speaking through me and, and I legitimately thought I had a nerve problem <laughs> when I was saying to my yoga teacher I really think I I keep having these chills around my left side of my body and I just there's something wrong with my shoulder and I can't I, and it just comes in these certain times and it took me so long and and you and, and the initiates programs give me a lot of language to be able to understand how my intuition speaks through me but I think the other thing I would love to hear reflections on before we close is just how recognizing our power as God doesn't mean that we lose our humanness or ability to connect. And again, I guess moving into that power over righteousness place of like I'm I'm better than or m- my soul's more evolved or any of that BS that I hear being bandied around yes. in spiritual yes. circles. I wonder whether you could reflect uh, a little on on that humanness that yes. we uh, yeah.
1: I love that. Yeah. To, I mean, to see God in yourself is to see God in another because there's only one of us here. And that's the ultimate act of humility. To claim yourself as God is the most humble thing that you can do. But the words that I love is anthropos. And, you know, um, Megan Watterson talks about this quite a lot in Mary Magdalene Revealed, that anthropos is fully human, fully divine and Mary's gospel that we have not had access to in its fullness because it's been destroyed spoke entirely about the fact that we are fully human and fully divine and the priestess to me in the way that I teach her in the world is the um the 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 bringing the divinity into the mundane she is in the world she's making the babies she's buying the food she's you know working she's she's doing all the jobs but she is seeing the sacred where others don't see the sacred. And that's mm. what the priestess is. And, and that, that is Anthropos. That is not I am, you know, holy at 6 a.m. when I go to yoga and then I'm back to being a muggle. It is that I, I can see God where others cannot yet see God. I can see God in you when you cannot see God in you. I can see God in me when you can't see God in me. You know, this is, this is the path of the priestess. This is, this is Anthropos.
0: I love the word anthropos. I've been a little bit obsessed with it and the word soma recently. They're the two words. It's just like in my consciousness going around and around. So I love that you've brought it in. And also just as you were speaking, it became so clear to me that um, we can only see God in another, right, when we're not projecting our own fear to another. And so they really got this clear image of almost like lifting the cloudiness, like removing the cloudiness or the the... The goggles or whatever the matrix, whatever you want to call it to be able to see clearly um but we cannot do that unless you know while we're we're seeing also deeply in our own fear place
1: yeah and we can't see god in ourselves until we can see god in the other mm. and that's, that is perhaps the best way to prevent us ever becoming the you know despotic leader is that that we 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 are not leading if we are seeing exactly as you say through that fear prism um because it means we're not humble we're not doing the work to get clear and it's every damn day there's no days off
0: <laughs> i'm really hearing that something that i needed to hear today i um wanted to finish by asking um about what you're feeling is next for you and the institute Um, how that's been expressed through you and also maybe reflecting that against the transition that you're in in life right now as a muggle as you say and how those two things are relating to each other if you're willing to
1: yes it's a great question and I hope I've got the articulation to respond the the institute is um the the, is is Consistently growing, and it's a really beautiful thing to see. I feel like my personal mission is to awaken the priestess, mystic leader archetype in as many women as will allow me to serve them. And so we're seeing an increase in the numbers of women coming into the next um, program, which starts in February, which is very exciting. And you know, just really, uh, that that program is everything uh, to me and to the institute. We we then have the postgraduate program, which women who want to go further um, into their study can. And but in that postgraduate model, so they, our current cohort will be producing a thesis this coming um, year, which is very exciting. And and for me, really marrying the academic training that I've had with this uh, work that I offer is a big part of changing the conversation around spirituality and intuition and bringing in rigor um, and assessments and and qualification-based programs because we can always get better with our intuition. So more of that for me, um, training more women to be the teachers of the initiate program because my mission is to lead that revolution. I need more than just me doing that work. Um, and to support the women who have qualified already, so it's it's we're not jumping in with anything new, but <clears throat> excuse me, we are we're continuing to grow our um, tertiary education environment and and to do better at what we do and um, to increase our um, inclusion and our social consciousness and our commitment to investing in experts in that space as well, which is something that's happening more and more, um, which is really cool. And it makes me excited and I know it gets you excited too.
0: <laughs> it really does. What gets me super excited is I often use the term Hogwarts means Harvard for the for my program. And but you're you've got this you, you've got the same rigor and nuance and complexity and not trying to like simplify things down into this place where again we don't have to meet meet the hard parts or the fear or to or to have that rigor or to push um, not to push, but to, to take ourselves beyond the limitations. I think it's a really beautiful learning environment that is so important right now um, on the online thing. But the other thing that excites me is how, uh, how we could ever deny that there is um, universal intelligence when I hear and am being called to uh, be in relationship and build a community of care with women who are articulating ideas in their own beautiful way, but the ideas that are universal and that are tapping us on the shoulders to be shared. And I think that that is what really excites me is that it, it does feel like a revolution and it does feel like a, a, an enormous paradigm shift and um, I just love bringing people onto the show, but also just witnessing the beautiful ways that that's been expressed through humans and through our. Human cells, so yeah, just deeply appreciating your work and our relationship.
1: Well, right back at you, my darling. I think you are a game changer, and you've just come out of the gates flying. And I just love seeing what you're
0: creating. Mm, it, it doesn't feel like I'm flying, but I. <laughs> but well, I think that's the, the word. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Well, I mean the the the, you know that that collective consciousness, I guess. Uh, for me happens in the shower and so I'd spent five years four years been doing Reiki and all the things you know after my burnout in the social spaces and and trying to be everything a healer for everything and then just in the shower the downloads of the school and and all of that happened and so I think when you talk about trust and surrender um being a muggle with two kids and as you know like it, it feels hard but I also have had glimpses of that grace and I think it, it's what keeps uh, us all going and yeah. going back to the shower
1: absolutely grace is surrender and when you surrender you find the what you've been seeking all the time um, but until we surrender we don't experience it but we, we're really slow learners with that one
0: mm. Thank you. Uh, just to close the space, I would love to just finish by asking you um, what is a thorn right now in your or challenge or just a thorn is how I would phrase it. And what's the rose that you would like to uh, reflect on as a way of closing wow. this conversation?
1: Is that for me personally or for my work or how do you want me to?
0: Whatever intuitively feels, <laughs> feels important to, to share.
1: Gosh what a great question and I once again I really hope I can articulate something in there for you. Ah. There's a bigger part of me that wants to kind of say it's my judgment that casts one as the one and one as Rose but if from my human perspective I would say you know the the challenge of 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 being a wife and mother, and you know, my son who has an intellectual disability is doing high school transition right now, and and you know, there's so much pressure on all parts of my family, and and constant, you know, that's a constant thing that's occurring, and and that often makes me wonder um, how I'm supposed to keep going. Um, but the the work is the rose, and it keeps reminding me um, because of the gloriousness of it that that. There's no separateness that all of this is in service to me. all of it is my medicine um my service is my medicine, my son is my medicine, my marriage is my medicine um and it's all it's all part of the same thing, but I definitely feel like i get I have the greatest job in the world and it keeps being that rose for me and it keeps being that glory that that keeps uh keeps me sane really so i'm i'm I guess I'm okay with privileging that and and just if that's what makes me survive and thrive as a parent and, and all the rest of it, and
0: I'm okay with that. Mm, and it's all part of the whole, I mean, the rose and the thorn are both part of the same, as you say, the same thing. I remember out having a beautiful conversation with our dear friend, Mitley and um, we were talking about this concept of things seeming in the way but being the way. And I think it's that constant, like, these thorns <laughs> being the thing. Like, when we're waiting for the thing to transform us, when it's right here in front of us or we're looking elsewhere for like the thing that uh to you know we're like I should be focusing on that thing over there when there's this huge big thorn (laughs) right up right up in our faces that is the portal um yeah so thank you for being willing to uh dive deeper and and share what yeah share from your humanness whilst also understanding that both both are part of the whole that is so true okay thank you so much again ricky jane for your time today
1: thank you my darling for letting me be here it's been a pleasure